Welcome to the Non-Gendered Fitness Podcast, where we explore health, fitness, transitioning, and queer life from beyond the binary. Proudly brought to you by Non-Gendered Fitness, the home of queer fitness and health. Now here's your host, Bowie Stover. Hi there, welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness. This is episode 86. My name is Bowie Stover. My pronouns are they, them, and I am stoked to have you join me. This show is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty never was and never will be ceded, and I pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode, friends, we're going to be looking at how you can get started training with kettlebells, because I love kettlebells. (laughs) If you haven't figured this out already, or if you're new to the show, welcome. I love kettlebells. (laughs) And I love training folks and teaching them kettlebells. I think I've just said that kettlebells in a sentence enough times, but (laughs) kettlebells. No, that's more. (laughs) Kettlebells can be pretty intimidating. And I get this a lot from folks. They want to start training, but they're like, oh, they just seem a bit scary. And I get it. They are a pretty uh, complex piece of training equipment in that you can't just pick one up and suddenly you're great at it. Generally, that doesn't happen. You've got to build your technique and you've got to earn your skills. And it's easy to avoid trying them because you may not know how to train with them. Again, totally okay. Like, if you don't feel like you can do something safely, it's generally a good idea to not do it unless you can get help. So I wanted to break it down and go over some steps that you can take if you wanted to get started with using kettlebells for your training Now, before I go any further, it's important to remember that a kettlebell is not a piece of training equipment that you can just start training with without some guidance. And I know I just touched on this, but I want to reiterate it because it's super important because I know so many folks who've hurt themselves pretty seriously with kettlebells, mainly like bulge discs in their backs and all sorts of not fun stuff like that, because... They've tried kettlebells either with a trainer who is unskilled and didn't have the ability to actually know how to safely teach someone the movement, or they've just watched a video on YouTube and kind of given it a go with a weight that may be too heavy or just with not the right technique, and they have ended up injured, and that is not okay. It's not fun. It's long-term. It's going to make you not want to train with kettlebells, and they are such a fun piece of training equipment, so it's a bit of a bummer. Now, I know that... Most kettlebell movements are pretty dynamic and it's easy to get caught up watching folks online juggle these things about and they make it look like the easiest thing in the world. But in reality, these people are highly skilled with kettlebells. They have spent years working on these movements to make it look so easy, to make it look so freaking cool. So just keep that in mind. If you want to start training kettlebells because you saw some person throw this sucker around like it was nothing and you're like, I'm going to give that a crack, please don't. Please start at the beginning. And that's what you don't see in a lot of these videos is how long it's taken a person to get to this point, how many years they've trained with kettlebells, all the mistakes they've made and all those steps along the way. All you're seeing is a snapshot of them at that end point where they're pretty freaking awesome with a kettlebell and it is inspiring and it is motivating and you can definitely get there, but you're not going to be doing that sort of stuff straight away. That is going to take some time. But that's okay because you get to learn all the joys of kettlebells and how to use them and train with them and develop all these abilities so that you can ultimately rock it on Instagram or TikTok or wherever it is you want to put up a cool video of you doing fun things with kettlebells. 
but you can't do it if you hurt yourself or bulge your disc and end up in a whole lot of pain and taking time off and having to recover and all that unfun stuff that comes with an injury just because you went a little too hard too soon patience friends it's what i tell everyone and it's not easy because you just want to be at that end point but when it comes to a kettlebell especially you don't want to rush this stuff you want to take your time you want to really be mindful that what you're doing is being done right before you take it any further with increasing a weight or trying out a new technique so what can you do then if you think bowie why are you telling me all this stuff and then saying well i can't start you can't start there but there are things you can do first thing you need to do is get an appropriately sized bell because if you have a weight that is too heavy it's going to injure you. If you have a weight that's too light, you're not going to get the right feedback that you need through the weight to be able to actually do the movement comfortably. So it can it'll be a little bit tricky figuring out when you're first getting started, like what even weight to buy. It is the most important step that you'll initially take when it comes to starting to work with kettlebells. And I have this from a lot of my crew who are like, you know, I want to try out some kettlebell training. Like what do I do? What steps do I take? What weight am I starting with? And it really depends on where you're at in your training. If you're not someone who's ever trained before, I will always recommend, and this goes for my crew as well, to go lighter because you're going to have a better chance at developing the technique. So if you're someone who hasn't trained before, and I say this to my crew who are new to it, you're going to start with anything from an 8 kilo to a 12 kilo. Now, they might seem heavy, but they're really not. These are a good weight range to start with. And they're going to help you really get those movement patterns down, really start to feel confident and comfortable with your movements so that you can then start increasing that weight. Now, if you're someone who has experience with resistance training, so you maybe, you know, you're pretty solid with your deadlift, you're good with your squats and stuff like that, then I tell folks anywhere from a 12 to a 16 kilo because you've already got those basics down, you've got that maybe some functional strength, the key movement that you really want to be able to do well is a deadlift because it is essentially a kettlebell swing. And we're going to look at those a little bit in a minute. I love kettlebell swings. <laughs> and you got to be able to play with a little bit more load if you do have some experience with training. Now, you may find that these weights will vary with overhead work so if you are looking at getting like a 12 kilo it might be great for swings and deadlifts and any sort of leg work but the moment you go to put that sucker overhead you're going to struggle because our upper body and lower body have disproportional volumes volumes amounts of strength so i often say to folks who are looking at getting some kettlebells go one that's a bit lighter for your overhead stuff go one that's a bit heavier for your leg stuff if you can buy pairs because kettlebells work best in pairs that way you get to have one in each hand though we don't start there we start with just one kettlebell in two hands but we progress to having one kettlebell in each hand because that's how kettlebells were, were, were made to be used for training purposes we dual wield nothing better <laughs> now Kettlebells are not made equally either. And this is the second thing that I like to talk to crew about. There are a lot of really cheaply made bells out there and they are going to make your life hard. They're not nice to use. And I strongly recommend that you grab yourself some cast iron kettlebells from a reputable seller. So don't just go, oh, I found these ones on eBay. They're cast iron, but they look like someone's kind of hacked at them with a hammer a little. Um, don't do that. You want to go for a nicely made cast iron bell because where the handle 
um, grip is under your fingers. The most important thing that you can look for when it comes to a kettlebell is making sure that under that handle grip there is nice and smooth or it is going to tear your hands apart and you're not going to be able to use that bell. So getting something that's well made, it might cost a little bit more. Don't go for something cheap. Uh, just because you want to save some bucks because long term like you buy one kettlebell it will literally last you for your whole life there's no moving parts on these things it's a cannonball with a handle you can't break them if you've broken your kettlebell i'm concerned for your safety (laughs) because you're probably not okay (laughs) so that little bit of Uh, short-term expense will give you a piece of training equipment that you can literally use for the rest of your life and it will never wear out that's a really cool thing it means you don't have to long-term spend a lot of money on a lot of different pieces of training equipment and that's why I say go for a bell that's sold by a reputable seller and who is a reputable seller it's someone that's that's like you can google review them I go through a place called Kettlebells Australia because they also teach kettlebells. So they don't just sell. They're not just like a equipment wholesaler. They actually work with kettlebells. So I trust them. I trust people who work with kettlebells because they know bells and they're going to be selling what they use. And that means they're going to be selling the good stuff. So if you can find folks that are also selling kettlebells, but they're trainers or they work with people who use kettlebells, that's who you want to find because they're going to be selling the bells that they themselves use and they're not going to be using something shit. Now also, what you can do is avoid a competition bell. So don't go for the bells that are made of stainless steel and they're really big around the base and they've got a big square handle and every single weight you get is the same sized bell but the weight changes. These are an easy mistake to make when you're looking to buy a kettlebell but if you go for a competition bell, they're very bulky, they're very cumbersome when it comes to doing one in each hand. Things become difficult because they take up a lot more space around your body when you're trying to do specific techniques so by getting a cast iron bell the, the bell the bell itself so not the handle the base of it where the which is essentially why it's called a bell that round bit you want it as compact as possible and you don't want to end up with something super cumbersome while you're trying to use a lightweight especially so avoid a stainless steel competition bell go for a cast iron bell Definitely, definitely, definitely don't get a bell that is coated in plastic. That is bad news. Not only because where the plastic joins under the handle is guaranteed to tear your hands apart. Plastic is super slippery when your hands get sweaty because kettlebell training makes you sweaty. You don't want a plastic bell. That's And you'll see the plastic bells are sold at places like Target or Kmart and stuff like that. Avoid them at all costs. They are going to be the hardest bells to use. So find those places that are selling something that's quality and if they're using themselves, all the better. And I do want to note, there's going to be people out there who are going to say, Bowie, competition bells are great. Like, what are you even talking about? And that's fine. That's totally fine. Some people will have preferences. My preference is for a cast iron bell. And I'm okay with that. I've I've developed this understanding from years spent working with cast iron kettlebells. I've been training with kettlebells for like nine years now. So it's been a while. I've been around for a minute and I've done a lot of work with them and I've done a lot of work training other clients 
to use them. And I've had folks who have grabbed the competition bells and they've tried to learn the techniques and it has made life hard because they are just too bulky. Now, competition bells have their place, but in my opinion, when it comes to learning how to train with kettlebells just for everyday life and stuff like that, comp bells just make things too hard. They are really just going to be awkward. Now it can be a lot of fun. Now, once you've gotten your kettlebell, once you've found that weight, again, one a little bit lighter for your upper body stuff and one a little bit heavier for your lower body stuff, what you want to start doing is training with them, but don't jump straight into any of the big stuff. Where you want to start is by developing a movement called a hip hinge. This is the foundational movement that every single kettlebell technique, apart from the Turkish get-up, is built on. It is so important. It is such a crucial movement. And if we can't hinge our hips well, then we're going to have a whole lot of trouble and we're going to end up pretty unsafe and we're going to end up likely injured. Now, a hip hinge is a movement where essentially you're going to poke your butt out. It's going to feel weird. It's okay. It's how you know you're doing it right. You're going to poke your butt back pretty much as far as you can, gentle dip in the knees, and you're going to feel a nice stretch down the backs of your legs and you're going to feel it in your butt. A cool way to do this is with a movement called reach the mark. This is where I start every single client when it comes to building their kettlebell technique. You're going to start with reaching the mark. So you're going to stand about one of your foot lengths in front of a wall and you're just going to poke your butt back until you touch the wall with your butt. Now, don't let your chest drop forward. It's going to be easy to think that you. our brain tricks us sometimes and thinks, well, if my head's moving, then the recipe must be moving. But that is not the case. Sometimes when your head's moving, it's just your head moving. So with the hip hinge, you want to make sure that you're poking your butt out. You're not just bending forward and dropping your head down. Poke your butt back. It's going to touch the wall. You're going to take like a tiny shuffle forward. You're going to poke your butt back again and keep on reaching for the wall behind you. And once you find the point where you can only just reach the wall, but you're not tipping backwards, you're not rocking back onto your heels, you, your toes are not coming away from the floor, that's the sweet spot. This is the point where we practice our hip hinge because from there, that's where you can reach your hips back and then stand back up. And you're going to practice that, reaching your hips back, standing back up, reaching your hips back, standing back up. Do it an inappropriately large amount of times because you cannot get too much practice with this. I sucked at this movement when I first started training with kettlebells. I know I've touched on this before about how hilariously bad I was when it came to kettlebell training. Like, so bad. I didn't know how to stick my butt out. I was terrible at it. And I would practice. I couldn't even get the reach the mark. So if you find you can't even get that um, poking your butt to the wall, practice it by sitting down on a chair, standing back up. But as you sit down on a chair, keep your chest upright and then sit your butt back first and stand up. That's the same thing. There are multiple ways to do this, but I cannot stress enough how important this movement is when it comes to doing anything else you will ever do with a kettlebell past this point. And once you've got this movement down, what we can build onto is the deadlift, which is essentially a kettlebell swing, but without the ballistic um, motion of the bell being propelled through the air. So you can use that kettlebell that you've just gotten. You're going to stand with it like just in front of your body, and you're going to do exactly the same thing. Dip your knees, reach your hips back, bring your hands kind of halfway down your legs. If your wrists go below your knees, you're doing all right, standing back up from there. These two movements 
are the most important movements that you can begin to develop when it comes to training with kettlebells because that hinge is what it's all built on. It literally is. It seems like the most simple and basic movement as well. You might look at it and be like, what even is this? But then you try it. It's surprisingly complex. Now, once we've gotten the deadlift down, this is when we can move on to a kettlebell swing. Now, the kettlebell swing is the most iconic move when it comes to kettlebells. It is the movement of movements that you can do. And it's important to take your time here. You might find, you know, you get the uh, hinge down and you're like, this is great. You could do a few swings. You're like, cool, I can do the swing now. I feel good about this. I'm just going to move on. Stop right there. (laughs) Don't move past this point. Don't skip on the swing in pursuit of fancier looking movements. And I know it might not sound super exciting, but trust me, there is so much that the kettlebell swing is not only important for when it comes to developing any of your abilities with a kettlebell, but also in helping just to improve your body functionally. Legit, it is like the most magical training movement I've ever come across. I've used the swing to help fix people's like back pain, people who have had bad lower backs. Kettlebell swings fix that. You know why? Because it strengthens the butt. And so much butt pain, so much butt pain, <laughs> so much lower back pain comes from weak butt, weak butt issues. Our butts are the most important muscle in our body because they hold us upright. When our butts are weak, we suffer everywhere else. Kettlebell swings fix lower back pain because of that. They strengthen the butt and just general posture because they get you strong. It is a full tension movement. When you're at the top of a kettlebell swing, swinging your arms up to chest height, you want to be braced with every single part of your body just for that second as the bell floats there. Then as soon as it drops, you relax. It's like a tension release, tension release. The amount of control that it takes your body to be able to brace through this movement is phenomenal. It is amazing. And it develops so much postural strength, your ability to just hold yourself upright far more comfortably. It's great for if you're chest binding because, as we all know, when we bind, we get that compression through our shoulders, through our ribs, we kind of roll forward. Kettlebell swing is a great way to start developing some strength to kind of avoid some of that hunching that we can have, particularly good if you've had top surgery and you, you know you feel like you want to stand up that little bit taller, you're not trying to hide your chest so much. It's a great movement to build with. On top of that, functional strength just all over because of that bracing. Uh, Also, a great way to reduce weight. I've helped clients get lean, build lean muscle mass and just get overall muscle tone with kettlebell swings and also cardio capacity because, my gosh, these things get your heart rate up like you have no idea. It is literally the ultimate movement. And if you only did these for the rest of your life, you would be laughing. You would be so okay. You don't need more than that. As boring as that sounds, but I'm going to say, in my personal opinion, training isn't always about learning new and exciting things. I've worked with essentially six kettlebell movements for the last nine years. And that's, I mean, I do other stuff here and there, but essentially six movements because you know what? You don't need more than that. And for myself, my goal is functional strength, the ability to do anything I want in my daily life without it being a struggle. So these six movements that I've learned, 
They do all that. They tick all those boxes. Don't think training has to be complex and filled with a lot of really complicated or flashy, fancy-looking movements because it doesn't. And if, depending on your goals, of course, if you want to, you know, be able to do particular things, your goals are going to be different from mine. But what I'm saying is you don't need to have a, a lot of different movements to be able to get so much benefit from your training. And you want to practice these Practice these until you can repeat a kettlebell swing with perfect form regardless of the weight you use. That every swing you do, regardless of how heavy or how light, your movement looks exactly the same. And you'll be surprised to know that when a kettlebell is actually lighter, the lighter you go, the harder it is to maintain form because... The weight gives your body a certain amount of feedback. You can feel the resistance. You can feel the weight and you can brace against it. When we get to a point where you've got a bell that's light enough, you can lift it up with your arm without really needing to use your legs. That's when your true technique shows because you should still be able to have the same power output, the same hip drive with an 8 kilo bell as you would with a 24 kilo bell. That's mastery. And that's when you know that you're going to rock every other movement you do because you've got that swing down, you've got the power through your hips, and you're going to keep your lower back safe. (sighs) Now, if you can't afford a kettlebell, you can still practice the hip hinge and deadlift movements without using weights. You can use a backpack or something that you can just comfortably hold in front of you. And There's nothing wrong with practicing these, especially if you're like saving towards a kettlebell. You can get one for like 20 or 30 bucks, um, a kettlebell. So hopefully, you know, you have the ability to save up for one reasonably quickly. But in the meantime, you can practice these movements. So when you do get the weight that you want, you're ready to go. You're feeling a bit more comfortable with the movements and you can just kind of step straight in there. And if you're worried that training with kettlebells might aggravate an existing injury, or if you're like someone who has back issues, then I really recommend finding someone that knows what they're doing with a kettlebell and learn from them. I mean, there's nothing wrong with watching a YouTube video or following along to tutorials, but you're not necessarily going to get that uh, support with developing your technique. And you do run the risk of potentially injuring yourself especially if you're not so confident when we're not confident in something we don't always commit well and when we lack commitment in a movement especially with a kettlebell movement that's when we do tend to end up straining ourselves and and causing ourselves some harm now let's have a look at what we've touched on today (laughs) It's been a bit, we've looked at how you can get started figuring out the right size kettlebell weight to begin with, remembering that you can go one lighter for your upper body stuff and one heavier for your lower body stuff. Then we had a look at how the quality of the kettlebell that you buy influences your training. So for a good quality cast iron kettlebell, that's where you want to going to be looking. You're going to want to find someone who's a bit of a reputable seller. So they're not just like some sketchy looking pop-up store that, you know, there's so many of those that have happened around due to COVID and stuff like that. Every second person is selling training equipment at the moment. So find a reputable store, go for a cast iron bell, not a competition bell and not a bell that's coated in plastic. That will just lead to sadness. <laughs> and finally, we looked at how you can still begin to practice some of the foundational movements of developing your hip hinge, even if you don't have a kettlebell yet. And seeking support 
if you are someone who has had a back injury or you're just a little bit apprehensive about beginning with kettlebells when you're uncertain, but you do want to do it. Now, you can find all the details in today's show notes. If you're enjoying the show and you think someone else might enjoy this episode or another one, please share that around. It would be awesome to help other people get access to as much information about stuff as they can. If you have any questions about this episode or you'd like to learn more about how we can support you, you can go to our website at nongenderedfitness.com. You can send us a message there. You can find our trial. You can jump into some training. You can get going right away. If you'd rather check us out on the socials, you can find us at Facebook by going to Nongenered Fitness. You can find us on Instagram at Nongenered Fitness at the handle non underscore gender underscore fitness. Me, Bowie, as the dot no dot t dot nb or zay at zay dot canters. And until next week, remember, it's okay to try new things out. Even though it can be a bit scary or intimidating, challenging yourself and your abilities is one of the most rewarding aspects of training. And ultimately, it's what keeps things fun. Have a ride as day pals. Right,